Hi, everyone. It's Jaime Alejandro. I want to welcome you to the Arts Calling Podcast, the showcase of hardworking, independent creatives in the literary, visual, and performing arts. We have a wonderful, special, very special, and existential conversation for you today. But before we get to it, I want to give one quick shout out and I want to introduce our guest. Since we're wrapping up October, I want us to get into the spooky season. So I'd like to recommend to you an amazing, amazing podcast that I've been listening to called Liars and Leeches. This is a supernatural horror audio drama by Hemlock Creek Productions. It is breathtaking. The production, the sound, and the performances are remarkable. Brought to you by Hemlock Creek, which was founded by one of my previous guests, Marissa Ewing. She brings a phenomenal team together to create something that is quite horrifying and exciting and fun. So for this this last week of October, I think that it's going to get you right in the mood to enjoy the spooky season to its full potential. So I urge you to check it out. The shout out link is right there in your episode description. So give it a listen. So with that said, let me tell you a bit about our guest. Today, I'm excited, thrilled, over the moon to be arts calling musician and existential creative B.V. Wolfgang. So brace yourselves. We're in for a wild and exciting ride. He is the originator of the Spacewalkers, F-F-E-E-A-T-C-O-P-O. What does that mean? Let me give you this description because it's going to blow your mind. Welcome to the Spacewalkers Foundation for Extraterrestrial Exploration and the Circumvention of Planned Obsolescence. Founded by B.V. Wolfgang and an ever-growing staff of dreamers, inventors, scientists, and artists, the Foundation aims to infinitely extend consciousness through art, philosophy, technology, and an impressive amount of hologram dogs trademark. Now we go into detail about what all of that means, so do not fear because we had a wonderful time chatting, and I hope you check out the link to the Spacewalker substack, which is there in the episode description. It adds a delightful component to the experience, and it explains a lot of where BV's coming from, and I'm just deeply, deeply inspired by the time that we spent together. This conversation is intense and life-affirming and a lot of fun, so I urge you more than anything, to check out the Spacewalker's ever-growing catalog of existential power pop. This is wonderful work that he's doing. And uh, without further delay, let's go ahead and give him a call. Hello, hello. Anybody there? testing can you hear me oh yes i can hear you and you sound lovely so it sounds like you you got a good setup over there bless you and thank you for doing that <laughs> yeah you know you think after three years of working remotely or through covid we'd have this home setup thing handled so yeah yeah <laughs> well hey bv uh thank you so much for taking the time to do this really wonderful to meet you and to uh to get to chat today. Uh, how is everything over there in your neck of the woods? Uh, yeah, I'd say it's going well. I mean, there's, um, I'm in California. I know you're in Wyoming. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So look, West coast is always quite pleasant. So we're enjoying some October 90 degree weather. So that's been <laughs> fun for sure. But yeah, it's been good. Oh, good. Good to hear. So, um, for those of us uh, who are just getting to find your music, uh, I, I have to say this has been such a wonderful treat to get to 
listen to your work and and get get a sense of your perspective you know especially reading some of the stuff on your substack has it was really illuminating in terms of of what's guiding you as, as you create some music so i'm thrilled to to have you here so that we can discuss that a little bit but if we could begin with with you personally could you share a few words about who you are and and maybe how you get started with music yeah um hey hello everyone um <laughs> I'm BV Wolfgang, and I, um, I'm the founder of, I'm going to say this long name that's going to make everybody giggle. I'm the founder of the Spacewalkers Foundation for Extraterrestrial Exploration and the Circumvention of Planned Obsolescence. Deep breath, everyone. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, that is That name was picked very purposefully and... As I dive in, I should say that, uh, yes, I make music. Yes, that long name that I just gave is meant to be a a wider place where all of my art projects go. So it's really a, a space that, yes, includes music, but over the years has included other things in the Bay Area of California as well mm -hmm. as Southern California. So um, I that, that name is meant to be like this, uh, I think, if we're jumping right in, Jaime, yeah, all of yeah. existence is wonderfully absurd. And I wanted a really long name that reflected that absurdity. And when you think of that name is also a nod to some, I guess, some core human truths around exploring the unknown, both, you know, I would say both outer space and inner space, cornerly enough. Mm -hmm. And also there's this desire to, you know, to live forever, but not necessarily in the physical form, but creating ideas that last longer than our poor physical bags of meat and electricity or something right so okay um so going back to if you, i think your question yeah directly was how did i sort of get started in the music space is that right yeah oh boy okay so i think to organize my thoughts around it um i grew up in the san francisco bay area and my parents divorced when i was really young so i split my time between san francisco where my dad lived and a small coastal town just south of San Francisco called Pacifica, which is where my mom lived. Mm. And both of those cities had really big skateboarding scenes. And San Francisco has like a wildly famous skateboarding scene and, and spots like Pier 7 and big skate videos are filmed there. And Thrasher magazine, which is a really big skateboarding magazine, was born in San Francisco, I think, like in the early 80s or something. Mm. So I grew up skateboarding and music is a huge part of that subculture. And it's it's a very eclectic scene. You can watch a skate video now and it will feature tracks from like 90s hip hop to really obscure hardcore bands. And the Bay Area had a pretty good underground punk and hardcore scene. And there are places, you know, you've probably heard of, let's say, Green Day, for example. Mm -hmm. Green Day was like a big band that had its start like at Gilman Street in Berkeley, which is a really famous venue. Um, and there's other venues in the San Francisco Bay Area that were really big. And I would go to those shows. And one of the cool things about that punk and hardcore scene is that when you go to shows, the people on stage, they look like normal guys and gals, right? Mm -hmm. There's zero pretentiousness. They're not wearing wild costumes. And most of them, if we're being honest, they're not that great at their instruments. <laughs> you know, they're just up there playing four chords, screaming into a microphone and 
being rad and playing music they love. So you'd leave a show like that and you'd think to yourself, I think I can do that too, mm. right? Like that, that's not that, it's not far away from maybe I could learn to play four chords sloppily and express myself in that way. So me, like a lot of other kids in that scene, the goal was to graduate from going to shows to playing shows of your own. Mm. So fast forward, I first tried to play the drums, which by the way, um, playing the drums to anyone out there, shout out to anyone who plays the drums because <laughs> it is straight up impossible to learn how to play drums because of the logistics of it. You have to have a room, you have to have space, Maybe you have a garage, but even if you have a garage, your neighbors might hate the fact that okay. you're banging on these things. Yeah, so, so like even people that play the saxophone or instruments that require volume, drums particularly, I quickly moved away from drums just because I didn't have the logistics to support that kind of thing and moved to guitar. Mm. And um, I played guitar for many years in the local scene. I was in bands, um, really terrible bands that would play. I moved from being in the audience to these shows to being on stage of these shows, kind of like living out my childhood dream. And after that, I quickly learned two super important lessons about being in a band. So if there's for the younger folks in your audience that are <laughs> just trying to get their feet under them. Here's two important lessons from BV Wolfgang. You ready? Lesson number one, most singers are wildly unpredictable egomaniacs that cannot be trusted. <laughs> and two, booking time at a recording studio is wildly expensive and the output quality is also very unpredictable. Okay. Mm. So taking those two things, I was in a band, my singer disappeared to Costa Rica to do ayahuasca or something and never returned. I don't know where he went. Okay. I really felt like when you're trying to express yourself, like you as a writer, Jaime, I think like you can sit by yourself in a room and bang out an amazing uh, poem or a script or a screenplay of some type. And you, mm -hmm. they're not really dependencies on other people to make your art. Is mm -hmm. that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, outside of the playwriting for sure. Yeah. Okay, great. So a band when you're thinking of like four people in a room playing the same the same thing at the same time, you really need the drummer to show up and especially the singer of which in music people are typically connecting with the lyrics and the vocals and the singer. And since a lot of singers at least in the punk and hardcore scene, shout out to everyone in the punk and hardcore scene, boy singers are incredibly unpredictable and out there. Okay, fine. I'm telling you all of this because I really made a commitment to myself that I would number one, learn how to record my own music. So I wouldn't have to spend all this time in the recording studios with again, unpredictable stoners that would charge you tons of money. And I would also try to learn how to sing my own songs. Cause at that point I wasn't singing. I was just a guitar player in a band. So then fast forward many years later, um, after spending, I don't know, my entire life uh, or many years just in my bedroom learning how to engineer, learning how to be a mixing and mastering engineer, practicing terrible singing, which I'm sure um, really annoyed a lot of people that were in the rooms next to me. Uh, I was making and writing my own records. And ultimately, I was in a band we, uh, that, we, that I started 
with my own songs. I was a singer of that band. We got signed to a, a, a well-known independent label at the time. And we, and I literally lived and toured in a van for five years, uh, roaming the countryside, uh, driving the Eisenhower interstate system, screaming at teenagers and begging for validation. And that was my life for a long time. And I, until I completely burned out, I, I, at the end of, we put out a bunch of records, we toured a bunch of places all over the world. And I just reached a moment where I opened the van door in which we slept every night because we didn't make enough money to get a hotel. We'd sleep in the van. And as I opened the door at 6 a.m. one morning and Taco Bell wrappers filled the Walmart parking lot that I was oh. sleeping in, I kind of said, this isn't for me anymore. I need a total reset. And I dismantled the band at the time and stopped doing it, actually. Mm. Um, and I think this goes into, I realize I'm just monologuing now. Is there... Is this what it, you well, no, this is, this, is ex this is exactly what I'm looking for because I, I think you've done a beautiful job of, of setting up where you're coming from with this because I have a feeling that, to me, the most important thing is there, there is something that happened here that brought you back. You say you quit, you say you walked away, you were burned out, but there, there is something here that, um, and I'm kind, you, you may have alluded to it, you know, in your Substack when I read about, about the accident, but I'm hoping that you can kind of lead us there because I, I think that is really what I'm interested in is your ability to continue and have this, this other chapter, uh, returned, yeah, but sure. you've done a beautiful job of monologuing and I love monologues. Yeah, so sure. continue. <laughs> All right. Um, please, this is meant to be interactive. Cut me off at time. I am yeah. not precious. Um, all right. So I think to that point, um, I made a decision there that I would actually like to run by you, yeah. which was, and I know that you speak to so many super talented folks on this show and, you know, they're really inspiring to listen to. For me, I made a decision after this, you know, uh, entire thing of trying to make a living off of my art. Right. So I made a decision where I said, you know what, I'm going to do a complete uh, pivot and shift. I do not ever want to try to make a living off of my art again. I do really super respect and admire. Truly, I'm awe-inspired by people that can do it, mm -hmm. but I now realize it 100% is not for me. And I'll, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll pause there for a moment. Yeah. It feels like you talk to a lot of people that make a living off of their art. How do, how do they do it? Well, I, I think it's a, it's a good balance. A, a lot of it, you know, because I have a background in, in theater, I, a lot of the folks that I talk to have, have, uh, expertise that, that goes alongside their craft. So a lot of them, you know, could be teaching artists. A lot of them could be doing work that is, that is, um, sort of alongside their craft. And so I think that that might be considered legitimate, but the goal of this podcast for me is exactly what you're talking about is can we talk to working class people, to people who have to pay the bills, who, who really, uh, I, I mean, they, they can't sacrifice their, their livelihood for their craft, you know? And, and I feel like it, it doesn't get talked about enough. I think maybe to some degree on this podcast, I might give the impression that a lot of the guests might be making, you know, their, their full income from the, from their craft. But I, I don't know that it's the, as many as, as one might think. I mean, I, I think that for me, the most important thing is to understand that just because you're not making your money completely from 
the art that you're creating doesn't invalidate what you do. And and in fact, I I feel that it's it's all the more powerful because specifically to your case, you're you're creating beautiful work that is engineered beautifully. The songs have have a structure, they have a craft that is above and beyond what you would hear on the radio station. And so that's my argument. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> that's very sweet but that's but you sweet. know that that's the idea is is that we need to look further and especially younger people who are who are i mean we're i'm troubled by and, and now i'm going to get into my monologue in my soapbox about uh, social media and just the idea that that just because you're ranking in the highest trends or because you you have like a billboard 100 or whatever that i mean that doesn't mean shit that doesn't mean anything I think we need to go back to square one and understand that that everyone has an ability to work hard at what they do and try to improve their work. And and it doesn't matter whether they make money from it or not, because, you know, maybe you could speak to this a little bit more. This idea that sure. you is it a matter of luck that that uh, that people make it out there are a combination of things. You know, um, and, and maybe in the music scene, I mean, I, I don't really have that much, that much background in, but maybe you could, uh, you could elucidate me a yeah. little bit on um, it. So first of all, preach, hey, oh, I'm doing some <laughs> clapping, right? I'm going to be here my clapping and things. Yeah. So I, I agree with all of that. I'll also say that, um, this is how I feel today. Someone once told me many years ago, and I still think about this a lot and, um, they just said the more money that's involved in something, the less honest it is. I feel like I should do a video about that actually. But Absolutely. that said, um, now there are counterpoints to this. Think of like, when you think of commercial and you think of artistic, we've been trying to push the two of those things together since forever, right? So the Beatles, huge commercial success, massive artistic success. Personally, one of my favorite uh, screenwriters is Charlie Kaufman. You're probably mm, familiar with his work. Yeah. I love everything he writes. There have been some commercial successes there as well. Adaptation is a huge cult hit for sure. Um, so for me, I don't know if that statement is completely true because I think I've seen some things that have money involved that are also amazing. I mean, the Sistine Chapel was commissioned, right? Like, or works by Michelangelo were paid by the church and they're pretty dang inspiring. So I, I don't know if it's true. However, for me, the way I internalized it was the way I feel about the music industry, air quotes, is I'm as far away from the music industry as you can possibly get. Like, I, I, And I have zero interest in actually being part of it again. I've been in it before. I've seen the 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 wildness that, that that happens there and it's not really something that i want to go back to the way yeah. i think about myself and making music now is i feel like it's kind of like i really love to cook but i have zero interest in opening a restaurant or even funding like a food truck or something but i'll throw some dinner parties for my close friends and i'll cook for them because how i express love and care for people is through cooking for them but it never occurs to me that I should make a business out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and I, I get I get fairly political about this, but I, I do feel it's the capitalist incentive in, in us all that, that we've been kind of embedded with to say, well, you need to be 
you you need to prove your worth through money, right? And if and you can monetize it. Why not? Just take take a chance and and start a business, you know, because that's that's the natural progression of of the expression, right? <laughs> is yeah. to is to turn it to monetization. I agree and here is the thing where um if I was working with anybody air quotes that was a professional, they would really hate, but my main um thrust of this entire spacewalkers project is to literally make zero money mm. like there we don't sell merch i don't sell anything if we do shows they'll be free or as much as we can um all of this stuff will never be monetized i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put a paywall up for my Substack. and by the way this doesn't make me like uh ian mckay from fugazi like holier <laughs> than thou type thing that's not how i think about it this is actually not for the audience it's actually for me because when someone gives you money for something, they want something in exchange, rightfully so. They're paying you for a thing. And for all the artists listening, you should charge for your work. You should monetize your stuff. Please do it. That's how it all works, I guess. What I'm saying is I have waved the white flag. I've, I've given up on that thing. And mm -hmm. I have found peace in making art that is completely attached from the outcome. So if we think of that, like what's the Eastern philosophy of the person that um, wins, wins is the bad word, but the person who wins is does two things. They are the most engaged and number two, the least attached from the outcome. Mm -hmm. So for me, being not attached to the outcome means not obsessing over social media follower numbers or metrics. Mm -hmm. I don't care if if I'm not selling anything, so I, I'm not, I'm not looking at sales figures because it's not part of my thing at this point in my life. I've truly moved to a, I'm not making, what's the old saying? I'm not making art to make money. I'm making money so I can make art. And again, that doesn't make me any better than anyone. I feel like I'm like preaching or something. Please make money off your art. What I'm saying is I don't want to do it anymore. Cause it's, I can't, it's not for me. I don't have the skin or I'm not like, Right. Perhaps right. I'm a coward. I don't know. It's just it's not something I'm interested in, I guess, is the point. Yeah, but I, I think it's uh, it's an interesting sort of um, I don't want to say game, but but it, it is to generate your own narrative to continue to do something that nourishes you in, in a different way. And I'm curious about your songwriting in particular and how you how you continue to grow as a songwriter or if that even is the goal. Do you have to strip it down to. I'm just here to express. I'm just here to to just organically follow intuition. Or is there still a, a kind of commitment to craft, even though that might be suspect in this new narrative that <laughs> that that is created? I mean, I'm I'm just curious, you know, on that. Yeah, no. Um I understand your question. It's both of those things because you might listen to something I write and go, well, boy, it sure seems like it's a traditional pop song structure for some of this stuff. I love, look, I love pop music. I, I love a lot of that stuff. And I think it's awesome. I think what I'm trying to say is my previous experience in the music industry, you know, when you're putting your third record out on an independent label and you have a couple dudes in your band and everyone's relying on you to write like a hit song that goes viral on MySpace to use an old <laughs> reference, shout out MySpace if you're That's still right. out there. Um, yeah. Um, there, that that doesn't bring your best part forward, right? Like when you're trying to anticipate what the audience wants and making something for them. So 
the reason why we've talked a lot about, I guess, money on this call. However, what I'm really trying to get away from is trying to make things that the audience wants and by extension, making money from it. And instead is what it, am I authentically going through? What is the craft I want to explore? I mean, music is just in my bones, right? It's just mm -hmm. in my DNA. It's what I do. It's what I've done my whole life. And I will continue to always do it. And I will say that there was a part of me that says, I finished this entire record. Should I even put it out? Why, why do I personally need to put it out? Couldn't I just enjoy the process and have it for myself and then just shelve it and move on and do other things with my life? That was a, a big discussion I had to have with myself about. But the reason I can have these discussions, by the way, is because technology has allowed me to disintermediate the entire industry just like everyone else. Like I literally, since I am an audio engineer, I'm a songwriter, I play instruments because I had to when I was younger um, because of the wild, unpredictable singers out there. I learned how to sing. So I can go from a initial idea to a fully mixed and mastered thing literally in my bedroom. And I don't have to rely on an industry or a a suite of people that are selling you services that ultimately don't get your vision across. So one thing to take away from this is the more self-sufficient you can be with the amazing technology that allows you to do it, put in the time, learn how to do this stuff, and you can really bring your vision to life in a way that does free you from the need to make something the audience wants to make back the money that you spent on the recording studio. Cause I'm not spending any money. I've just spent, I guess, years of my life and time, which is perhaps much more valuable than the thousand dollars <laughs> you'd spend. Who knows? Okay. I think that gets at your question. Yeah. Yeah. That, that absolutely gets to the, to the core of it. And, uh, you know, before we, we dabble a little bit too much into the industry here, I'm, I'm very much interested in the power pop influence and, and, just, just kind of your inspirations, if we could begin there, because uh, I listen to these songs and pop is so misleading to people because they think, oh, it's just a little light, loosey-goosey thing. But there is genuine craft here. And and as a fan of power pop, I'm just curious mostly of your inspirations and, and where you really start grabbing a hold of the genre and, and um, where do you start there with power pop? It's going to sound like I'm not answering your question directly, but <laughs> let, let's, let's, we'll get to it. I promise. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. Let's talk about inspiration. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that's been really, and I know you're kind of asking for inspiration in the context of like influence and how, yeah, you know, yeah. What we, but I think when you said the word inspiration, it made me think of something I've been thinking a lot recently, which is. I remember, I don't, I'm sure many people have said this. It's, I'm sure it's a tired, worn trope, but I remember hearing the phrase, inspiration follows action, not the other way around. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was a huge light bulb moment because it took me a long time to embrace that that was true because for years I would take the approach of, well, I'll just write something when inspiration hits me mm -hmm. and then I wouldn't write anything. Yeah. But when I started to see that if I just sat down and started writing first, inspiration comes while you're in the act of already doing it. And I think there's like, now, if I connect those patterns together, <laughs> there is wisdom here that applies to so many things in life that I wasted so much time mm -hmm. waiting for to show up or for someone to text me or for someone to look at me the right way. 
when you just need to start living your life and getting after it, and then you, that inspiration comes. Now, I realize that's not the question you asked. However, when I'm listening to music, um, I mean, I guess the way music is today, genres are really hard to pin down. I, for those listening to this that's never seen sort of my uh, socials or something, I just call the music existential power pop. <laughs> and it's half joke, half real, because I really do love pop music. And in the genre of power pop, there usually is. It's pop music, which means it has like an upbeat tone, but it usually has guitar, bass, and drums. So I've always liked pop music, but I've played in punk and hardcore bands growing up. So it felt like power pop is that thing right in the middle when you think of like Rick Ocasek with the cars, when you think of <laughs> an early Weezer stuff. Like um, th there's that stuff to me is very inspirational but boy if you look at the playlists that you have and that i have it is such a mix of genres mm -hmm. and music that i don't ever just sit down and go all right let me crack open a power pop playlist and listen like that's never a thing right so yeah, yeah. i'm and always I, looking at and craft and I, I think that you uh you touch on something that is so so interesting to me lately which is uh, the sustainability of a podcast, right? And asking questions and, and how tired is a question or, you know, where do you get your inspiration? And for me, I, I love, I love that I'm having a lot of these existential concerns right now as I'm talking to you. I think, I think your, per, your uh, perspective is really, is really seeping into, um, into my true concerns, but like the, um, the inspiration aspect of it in, in terms of just synthesizing and being being ready to make art whenever, whenever you have time, whenever you're able to, I think it, let me ask you this. Do you think we, we intellectualize as artists too much or as creatives, as people who make stuff? Do you think we just kind of get, get far up our, our own rears in a way in terms of like, like having some kind of intellectual diagram that is supposed to help us create? You know, I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Um, so the answer is absolutely, but that's what's why it's rad. Yes. Um, that is the job of the artist, right? Like even I have friends that write, you know, shout out Black Eyed Peas, but shout like Black Eyed Peas party anthems that are really silly lyrics. They still intellectualize those things, right? Yeah, like, so yeah. it's. The way it's crafted, the beat, how is this going to sound on a club dance floor on top of, okay, well, these lyrics are just simple enough to sort of get people moving. Whether you're writing a party rock anthem or a, a concept album, you're, you're Billy Corgan writing a concept <laughs> album over two CDs. Um, everyone is intellectualizing it, but how can you not? That is the, if art, boy, we're going to get real high level here, but if art is human expression, then it is your job to really tell a story that is um true and authentic to you and if that's pretentious so be it who cares like i love cringe like i know you didn't say cringe but <laughs> i think that's exactly I, I, what i meant yeah yeah what I, what I talk about all i mean what i think about all the time is and I, I wrote something about this i think i need to expand on it but in the year of our Lord, 2023, I am embracing the cringe, mm. okay? Because I think if there is a through line to being cringe, I think it's probably authenticity because when I see someone that is like really expressing themselves in an earnest way, 
there's a young punk rock version of BV that says, boy, that person's a total loser or like not a loser, but like <laughs> that, that earnestness. I'm so cynical about it. Like, oh, geez, look at this dork, like expressing yeah, yeah, yeah. themselves in that way. But the reality is, no, no, that person is having an authentic, awesome moment. And I shouldn't call that person cringe. In fact, it's cringe of me to make them feel guilty about really loving, um, I don't know, a surface level pop song that sure, I would maybe sure. say, right? Like, I think it's great. So yeah. Yes, we should intellectualize stuff. <laughs> you can't not. And How can you not? Yeah, yeah. And it's just a cringe of me to say that uh, you gotta you gotta embrace it and you gotta love, you know, love what you do, you know, warts and all and, and embrace those imperfections. You know, but what are those imperfections? It it doesn't really matter. It's all about perspective there. But um, can we talk about this thing that you wrote on Substack that really blew my mind? I, I think it illustrated your perspective quite clearly and it was it was such a wonderful read it, it was called the patterns we believe become our light um mm -hmm. how do you go about doing this and why did you feel that this was a, a necessary component to the spacewalkers project to to have um you know this written component there yeah so for all of uh all the listeners shout out substack feel <laughs> free to go check out that that blog um i'll start by saying that if the spacewalkers uh, name, I really wanted it to be broad enough to incorporate a bunch of different disciplines that I'm interested in, music being one of them. Writing is one that I did years ago that I don't share that often, but I'm starting to again now. The reason I wrote that is because I wrote and recorded this entire record. Um, it's already done. I've only been releasing a, a song a month or something, and I was mm -hmm. figuring out how to like release a, an album in the modern age, right? I'm kind of learning. Part of that process was um, I want I I totally over intellectualized every single song right so <laughs> as you were talking about do we over intellectualize things I really only write songs now about something that I'm working through so if I'm wrestling with a philosophical concept or it's an experience in my life I want to speak about that's the kind of music I write now like I'm not writing a song about like a breakfast menu at a bagel shop or something, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay. Um, shout out to anyone writing songs about <laughs> breakfast Necessary menu. Necessary songs. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want to do that, but I'm too up my own rear to not do that. Okay. So the original concept was, I thought, how cool would it be to like make this record and every single song has like a full story or a concept to it. But I very quickly realized that no one cares. And I mean that in a good way. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I wanted to do this for me, how would I like tell the story of this thing? Because Jaime, you know how tough it is having a podcast. Mm -hmm. There were these grand ideas I had. What if I like mm, launched a podcast that like every episode was like a full breakdown of every song and sort of not only the lyrical themes, but also the musical production. I can do a deep dive into, you know, the... Mm -hmm you know, really nerdy stuff like the compression on the snare or like really deep audio things. But then I quickly realized, number one, would anyone listen to that? I don't know. I might think it's interesting. But instead of doing that, what I did instead was I go, how about this? Why don't I compress the entire concept of each song? And so the, the blog you're now referencing is the theme of a song called Jackpot that I released recently. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing now is I'll release a song and then sometime later, I'll release literally a 59 second video that just is me <laughs> doing a voiceover 
of the theme of the song, but it doesn't even reference the song. It's just, here is a thing I'm thinking about. Cool. And mm -hmm. that sort of took that 59 second audio clip was me making a decision to do that instead of doing a super self-indulgent 40 minute podcast about why the song is what it is. However, as I was making those 59 second videos, I'm writing something which became the Substack that really expands it and how I'm really thinking about it. And then I take that Substack and I go, how do I push this into a 59 second voiceover? So the Substack is the longer version, which is the theme of the song. The video is a 59 second gross oversimplification of what it is. And it's kind of a fun challenge. Can I put these complex things into this? But um, that was the thinking around why I made it. But to answer mm -hmm. your question directly, I think is I'm just working through some stuff in my life and I'm seeing patterns and I'm seeing things, et cetera. And I just want to put it on paper and then sharing it is a way for me to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a powerful, uh, powerful exercise, especially as you're crossing various forms to try to really work through that problem or that concern. It seems like you're truly wrestling with it. And it's, you know, uh, this might sound completely reductive, but maybe you're not done talking about it after you're done with the song. Right. And so you continue on and, and you try to fashion it into something that makes sense. But to communicate it really does feel like the last step of that chain of of events of resolution, right? Where you're like, I've, I've arrived at this and now I know what the, I can label the thing that is, that is troubling me mm -hmm. in many forms. And then we can, we can let it be free, like, like some kind of answer bird or whatever. But I love this line that you have here, the patterns we see and believe become our light, obviously out of context here with, uh, I mean, there's just so much insight here in, in this uh, conversation that you're having with yourself in the, in the article. And I'll, be sure to post it in the episode description because it really sure. blew my mind. But I had this thing, though, that as I was reading this, I was listening to your music to, to get ready for the interview. And there was a, a weird totality that, that was super immersive. And, and I don't know if you intended for that to happen, but like in an ideal setting, should somebody be reading the stuff with the music? I mean, it just it felt like it was so overwhelming and true that uh, that it, it really made my day. But um, I don't know if that's something that 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 is possible, right? For the, uh, for the listener to take in everything all at once. Um, I mean, that's, I'll go on record. What time is it? It is in the Pacific time. It's nine thirty-seven AM. Let's put this on record. Jaime just said the nicest thing that anyone's ever said about me, <laughs> put that on the record. So that was incredibly sweet and flattering of you to say that. Um, but it's what you just said is, is, that is my end goal. That's my intention, right? Is there is this song, there are themes that being explored. It's multimedia, it's music, yes, it's yes. I'm writing about it. There's maybe some short form video stuff. None of it is marketable, right? Like what I mean is no one is making a, a viral video about like existential patterns and how uh, <laughs> how we yeah. how we were trapped in this <laughs> cycle of doing the things over and over again. There's probably nothing we can do about it. It's free will. It's destiny. It's a ton of things altogether. Yeah, and I think anyway, that's, yeah, so yeah, yeah, it's great. But 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 that's what I love about it, and and why it's so unique. And honestly, like when I first saw it on Instagram, the thing that drew me in was that that existential perspective. Because to pair it with something that sounds inviting and alluring as as existential power pop, as you mentioned it really is a way in for you to start considering these things. And, and 
Not that it's a marketability thing, not that it needs to, you know, to be sold in any kind of way, but that was the thing that drew me in. And as I'm kind of dabbling in these things in my own work, you know, in terms of what is absurdism to me, what what is uh, existentialism to me, and how does it fit into my life, and am I a coward for turning away from the truth? I think that your work speaks to that and it ails that for me. So personally, just because I, I kind of have that intellectual baggage, it made me feel at home. So that was, I think that's why it resonated with me so much. Well, but, welcome, welcome home. Yeah. Welcome. Yeah. Thank I, you. <laughs> let's, let's both pause for a moment. This sounds very, this sounds very important. It's like we're, we're, we're talking deep music themes. Like this sounds I, and if we pause for a moment, and this is me breaking the fourth wall to you yes, now, please. and I guess whoever's listening is, I feel very uncomfortable talking myself as a capital A artist. Like, uh-huh. I don't feel uh-huh. that way at all. I barely graduated high school. I'm easily the least educated person you've had on this show. I d- I'm I d- from the streets. I lived in a van. <laughs> I ate Taco Bell three times a day. Like, th- this is like, you're seeing just a version of me that, yes, I do have this, um, how do I say it? I like, I like Stephen King and I like Dostoevsky. I'll That's watch right. a Jackass movie and I'll watch uh, a Charlie Kaufman. I'll watch Anomalisa that no one has seen. Um, <laughs> like the the range, life is this duality of experiences, right? Like it's yeah. super ridiculous and it's super serious. Both and what I'm, you know, the theme of the record is like, if nothing matters then all that matters is what we do, right? So if Mm -hmm. nothing I do will last the supernova of the sun, right? Like even the Beatles will be forgotten one day. And in fact, in 50 years, I'll probably be dead and no one will know who I am. Okay, so you might ask yourself, number one, that sounds kind of like a bummer. Two, then why do we do anything? Well, the other thing, well then, if nothing I do matters in this present moment, me talking to you, this is what matters. This moment and the coming end that we all see for all of us. What did Tim Crider say? He said, all journeys and all stories all have the same ending. And it's a place that none of us want to go to, mm-hmm. right? Like we, we're all going to end up in a, whether you're, whether you're Paul McCartney or B.B. Wolfgang, we're going to end up in a box of bones somewhere, but that should not be a bummer and that's the the theme of the record and the reason why it sounds the way it does mm-hmm. is because instead of letting the existential things paralyze me or make me think that life is worthless or pointless it's totally the opposite yeah the fact that we know it's going to end one day gives us permission to ascribe meaning to our life which is something that giraffes on the sahara can't do right like there's no giraffe saying boy, what did I do with my life? No, they're just sort of existing. But because you and I know that one day this is going to end, we can give our lives meaning. So instead of it being a bummer that I'll be gone, I can say, boy, I have this precious crumb of time that I can do whatever I want. And knowing it's going to end should let my insecurities and self-doubt melt away not the opposite. That's and that's right. actually why this song is called Jackpot, because we've hit the jackpot. We have this moment in time where we're alive and it's going to be gone really soon, <laughs> folks. Even if you live to your 100, the last 20 years won't be a picnic and it'll the next 30 or 40 are going to go by really freaking fast. So like this is not a bummer. This is great. And when I look at I actually did make 
10 guidelines for making this record for myself. Oh yeah. And one of those, I haven't, maybe I'll do a video or maybe I'll do a Substack about it in the future. And I yes, write yes. them down. Um, one of those guidelines for me was sound like summer, read like winter. Oh God, that's amazing. And to me, that was inspired by, I mean, go listen to third eye blind, semi-charmed life. That if you, you know the chorus right now, the do, 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 yeah, okay, yeah. fine. That song's about a meth addiction. All right. Like that, that's a very dark song. And it's one of my other favorite songs is by a band called The Laws, which is There She Goes. If you listen to that song, that song's about heroin. Like that, but that is such a beautiful, uplifting song you would think is about love or, you know, a significant other of some type. But the genesis of it is super dark. And that duality, like, lights me up bittersweetness yeah yeah that's right yeah and so i just uh man you're i i was gonna say preach i was gonna turn that around on you be, because you you've just spoken my mantras and uh i i'm just so in awe of this because you captured it so well and i think that in the music there is that levity that allows you to take a moment to think about these things and i i say this a lot on the podcast but it is really a victory when you can create accessible language for people to label their concerns and to and to name those things. And I think that this is probably the most challenging thing to do is to tackle that horror of of being alive and confronting it in such a way. And obviously that is that is the endless battle as you've mentioned that is the ongoing thing that we all have to contend with, but uh, I got to applaud you on that, but I got a couple more questions to be mindful of your time here. This has been incredible and I'm having such a blast just diving deep into the most, uh, the darkest, most existential things with, uh, with a, a little Get sprinkling positive. of sugar. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's hope. <laughs> always, yeah. always but because Absolutely. it's liberating. It is empowering. It is true. And, uh, and I, I think that you're, you're doing a phenomenal job at it. So if I may pry, I hope you don't mind me asking you this, but because you mentioned in the Substack uh, a car accident, I do have to ask you, is that something that shaped your perspective that you have now? And I don't know if this is something that is part of a, of the narrative here that you've constructed for the song, but is it something that actually happened? I was thinking to the Substack. Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned this because yes. Okay. Yes. the That happened. I was hit by a car years ago. Um, that that's totally true and that did happen she left the scene jesus interestingly that's like it was that was kind of maybe i subconsciously think about that but that really didn't have a huge impact on the record mm. years later uh i write about this in some of the posts and i haven't actually like talked publicly about this yet but i've had like some really scary health issues that are totally unrelated to that car accident but mm. yes we've i've had I guess a few times the then if I the nine lives I have are probably what am I I'm down to my last one I may mm. well well that. I guess yeah and and I appreciate you sharing that but the reason I ask is is mostly in terms of how you went about refining this perspective what drew you to the kind of existential concerns that are that are so prominent in your work now is that something that was always present since you were younger or did it develop as as um as the aftermath of of some of these later mm. concerns? I wish I could credit someone for this quote, but I remember the phrase, "Do you know how much violence it took to get this gentle?" 
<laughs> I love that phrase. Oh because my God, that's great. Go through, yeah, yeah I, I, I should Google it or something. It's probably, maybe it's from a movie. I don't know, but I've, that stuck with me very deeply. There isn't any one thing that was like, hey, I was uh, working at a 7-Eleven and I was robbed and that changed my whole perspective about mm, everything. Yeah, there has. Yeah. It's really the in aggregate gestalt. I think mm. I'm saying that German word correctly, <laughs> but in aggregate, the, the sum of everything that feels bigger than it is. So I would say that, I mean, a, an armchair psychologist would say growing up in a broken home, uh, being part of this punk scene, trying to express yourself that way, going through a lot of pain. Yes, I was hit by a car. Okay. But that, I don't think that was that big of a shape other than the fact that boy, does everything happen for a reason or not. But this record was definitely influenced by me going through some really dark health issues mm -hmm. that I thought, let me go back for one more round of like making a record to express myself through all of these things. Looking back, I think this record is basically me thinking about two things, which is, I'll, I'm just a quote machine today, Jaime, but no, no, Terry, Terry Pratchett has a book series called Discworld. I don't know if mm -hmm. you've ever heard of that. Yeah. <clears throat> he wrote a book called Hatful of Sky. And in, there's a line in that book that says, coming back to where you started is not the same as never leaving. Mm. And that to me, it probably resonates with me because it's really aligned with like, you know, Joseph Campbell's monomyth and the yeah. year with a thousand faces. But that combined with this idea of can the five stages of grief be mapped to a linear human lifetime? Okay. Like that was a, a big part of my thinking with this and thinking of what I've gone through. And I think the answer to that question is yes. When you're young, it's punk rock denial and anger. And as you get older, you start bargaining or you have depression about your trajectory in life <laughs> and your relationships. And if we're lucky, if we mature enough, if we go through pain and suffering, we get to acceptance and we see life not in black and white, but in those shades of gray where heroes and villains aren't clear, right? Like that, that thing. So this record is really about my life going through those five stages, just not linearly there. You go back and forth through many of them throughout many experiences, but the theme of my life getting to that acceptance phase, boy, a lot of violence has happened to get this gentle. How do we put this into a story and look back, not with anger or grudges or negativity, but really about letting go, right? It's mm -hmm. and getting on with it. That's what it just getting on with it. Oh, that's gorgeous. That is that is absolutely phenomenal. And I think I might be replaying this one for a long while. But I got one more question here. Can you share just a couple more thoughts to people who are starting out with their music, who are trying to understand themselves a little bit better? What would you say to somebody who's at the beginning of that climb? And And what would you have to say to them to allow them to continue on, to help them on, on a path that is true and honest, such as the one that you've been on? Boy, um, my first immediate, so shout out to anyone listening to this, just trying to get off the ground. My first bit of advice to you is give up immediately. I'll pause there. Are you still here? Okay, great. Now the real information comes because if I can scare you off by saying give up immediately, you're not meant for this life. Like. It, like there'll be so many no's and so many pitfalls that you'll try to cross that you will fail that if me a random person that you're hearing a disembodied voice 
me saying give up pushes you away, then good, it weeds you out. All right. For the rest of y'all that are still hanging out, whenever I'm writing anything or whatever I'm thinking about writing something, I always ask myself the same two questions. The first question is, why does this song need to be made? And the second question is, why does this song need to be made by me? If I can answer those questions, that means I'm on a path to authenticity. Meaning, if it's just a song about a breakfast menu at a bagel shop, that doesn't have to be made by me. And it's probably not authentic to the message I'm trying to say. So if I can answer, it should be made like this. This is why it should come from me. I'll continue to explore those themes and I'll go really deep on them and I'll try to make it authentic to me. That, that's the first beginning. And the second bit is really put the time in to learn your craft and that includes many things. You might not be able to play drums or guitar, but whatever your choice of instrument is, and I include the studio as an instrument, as George Martin working with the Beatles always said, mm -hmm. learn the studio as an instrument because that is the way you're going to bring your, the sound that's in your head. If you want to put it on paper, yes, collaborate with very smart people. There's probably a part of me that has a control freak where I haven't done a lot of that. However, <laughs> it's also learn your craft, learn your instruments. That includes the voice and the studio. Do as much of it as you can on your own because technology allows you to do that in a very easy way today. I'll pause there. That's a soaring, phenomenal note to end on. Well, BV, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this, for uh, these amazing quotes of insight that you've uh, <laughs> you've shared with me today, and for the music. By God, Boy, this, this, um, this music, I'm really taken with its power, with its joy, with its its ability to liberate us from uh, from the everyday and get us, you know, to soar into into higher ground. So thank you. That's very sweet. Before we wrap. Yeah. Before we wrap. Thank you for all that. That was very sweet. Yes. Again, we sound very important right now. I love it. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. Um, I have one question for you that I would love your POV on. Yeah. It won't be long, but it has this question, this single question has almost ruined real life friendships for me. Okay. All right. So as an artist yourself, would you rather, okay, it's a would you rather question that has two options. Would you rather right now have Taylor Swift level fame and all of the trappings that come along with that? You can choose if you're anonymous or not, but you have all the influence and money that comes along with it. But the moment you die, Jaime, you're immediately forgotten. Or would you rather toil away in obscurity now, but the moment you die, you ascend to the Beatles, Beatles level of fame and influence? You know, I'm just okay with the toiling without anything else after. <laughs> that is my tragic flaw is, is just that general toil. <laughs> um, I, I guess I'd be more partial to the toiling. I mean, I mean, what difference does it make? <laughs> you know what you you're we, we should be best friends Jaime. I, I'm, I, I'm telling you man like you're you're really speaking my frequency right now so uh i'm i'm just uh very glad and very much a fan so all right <laughs> can't let's you wrap enough. on that note and shout out to anyone toiling out there that's how we're gonna wrap on this note keep toiling <laughs> keep grinding <laughs> new slogan there we go thanks again man and i hope that we Thank get to chat me. down the road take care bye bye